Hey, Hannah, what do you get when you put two Gen Zers in a room? I don't know. Exactly. And we're going to figure it out together. Hit the track. You're listening to the Brave Girls Podcast with Hannah McNeely and Michaela Nemhard. Welcome back. Welcome back, guys. <laughs> Welcome back to the Brave Girls Podcast. We yes. are so excited to have you. Oh, man. I am just jumping for joy over here. Oh, yes, my gosh. Always. I'm looking at her. She's literally jumping for joy. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we like this? Oh, my gosh. Oh, um, we, yeah. yeah. Well, we're happy you're here. Mm-hmm. My name is Hannah. And my name is Michaela. And yeah, we're having a good time tonight. We're having a great conversation. Absolutely. And um, yeah, how are you, Michaela? How's your week been? Oh, stressful. Still doing school, guys. Ooh, <laughs> almost there. Finals. What yeah. about you? Good. My week's been okay. It's been stressful too. I'm moving into a new place, but it's very Ooh. exciting. Um, so it's just there's lots to do. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of adult things. I have to set up Wi-Fi Absol- this week. Ooh. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the topic for today, Hannah? Uh, the topic for today, so we have a wonderful guest, and I say wonderful because I mm-hmm. truly love this person. Um, she is my sister. She's my older sister, and she yeah. is so wise and so smart, and she's my best friend, and I'm oh. actually moving in with her. So oh. uh, this is my <laughs> new Ruby as well. Um, and so, yeah, uh, welcome, Rebecca. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. I can't say I've ever been introduced so warmly by anybody oh. else. <laughs> oh. I'm, uh, I'm very honored to be on this podcast. Oh, thank you for being here. Yeah, oh, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, today's podcast is on social justice because Rebecca yes. is um, studying social justice and oh. a social justice advocate and she's mm-hmm. uh, really uh, intelligent in this topic. So yeah, we're happy to have you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Rebecca, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and your passions? Mm-hmm. Yes, so many things. So, very briefly, I'm a PhD candidate at a university out west, where broadly I'm in the field of criminology. And I also work uh, for the Salvation Army in their women's ministry department. And that actually incorporates a whole bunch of social justice type initiatives. And so I do my studies and my job and it all kind of relates back to matters of, uh, I want to say my focus is mostly to do with federal prisons in Canada and overrepresentation of racial minorities and, you know, mistreatment, all of those types of things. So yeah, that's broadly what I'm doing. And passions, so many passions. Uh, But I would say right now I am focusing much of my time and energies on, um, there's this specific label that we know in Canada as the dangerous offender label. And this is a label that has been applied very broadly to a large number of Uh, um, uh, recent convictions and and over history. And uh, a lot of uh, Indigenous, specifically men, have been given this label. And it's just a bit of a problem because the rules around how it's given out is just really ambiguous. So I would say that's where my focus is right at this particular moment. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
that's amazing. That's so interesting. So what kind of brought you to this place that you're at now? Like where, where did this interest um, start? Yes. Yeah, so I have always, my undergraduate degree was in sociology, which I, to be totally honest, fell into. Well, okay, well, I believe in God. So I don't think I fell into it. I think he very much pushed me into it. But I found myself studying sociology, uh, which then led me to doing my master's in sociology. And that's where I met my supervisor who uh, had done an ethnography, which is what I would like to do as my research. Um, in uh, neighborhood in Toronto, uh, you know, looking at the impact of gun violence, specifically in Toronto, which is a real problem, as some people may not know. Wow. And yes, mm. after many, many conversations with him, I asked him if he would be my supervisor, and he encouraged me to apply where he did his PhD. And that is how I found myself there. That's amazing. Thank you so much for that. Wow. Yeah, wow. Thank you for uh, sharing that with us. Yeah. Um, so the word you kind of touched on a little bit of what you do and you know, where that came from the, like, well, I guess it's two words, but the two words, social justice, what, mm -hmm. what does that mean to you? And mm -hmm. what does that mean in our like global, even mm -hmm. local context? Yes. So social justice, kind of a buzzword or two buzzwords, isn't it? And we throw it around rather easily. I think that I gotta, I've got to answer that in a local context because absolutely we should be um, endeavoring for social justice in a global context, but it's a lot easier to start with the local context. So I think that the first, so social justice means we as people want to exist in a society where we are treated equally where we have equal access to resources, whether that be education or health or housing or food. And we want to be treated fairly in the workplace and we want to be protected from violence. We wanna see no violence in our communities. And so I think social justice is what we do when we fight to see those things in our communities. And in a local context, I think that, that the first step that we can take towards that, which is probably the stage I'm in right now, is to accumulate as much information and as much knowledge about the problem and about the proposed solutions, and then to see where we as individuals fit into that solution. Wow, that is amazing. Do you know what? I think also, like, I, I feel like sometimes we forget that to fight for something, we also need to know the background information of it and to actually do the research because sometimes it really goes deep, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. sometimes it can be systemic as well, right? Mm -hmm. Especially with like the whole like Black Lives Matter movement this mm -hmm. year, like that was huge. Mm -hmm. And so just to have that background knowledge and you're like reading, actually getting into books and reading about it, you're like, okay, yeah, no, this is a continuous mm -hmm. thing. We gotta address mm -hmm. these issues, right? So that is mm -hmm. amazing. Thank you so much for that. And so in your field of research, right, as a PhD candidate in criminology, do you have a mm -hmm. goal for tangible change in the next 10 years? Mm -hmm. I feel like I should just also tack on to that last statement. Absolutely. Yeah, go I ahead. Don't, I don't think that education is the excuse for an action. Like education and action go together as one. And I also find um, that the most educated people I know in this field, specifically in the field of like social change and equality mm -hmm. are also the most humble people. So the more you know, I think the more you realize you don't know. And 
I think if there's anything I've learned in my short time in academia, it's not that short. Okay. I've been in school for a gazillion <laughs> years. <laughs> the time I've been in school is that we can be really good at performing indignation about issues that we know very little about. And that does not help the fight yeah. that adds fuel to the fire. So if we're going to be indignant, we should know what we're talking about. Wow. Um, and then, mm-hmm. sorry, next question was about. Can you oh, yeah. 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 Do you have a goal for tangible change in the next 10 years? Mm hmm. Oh, my goodness. 10 years. Do I have a goal for this week? I don't know. Let me give <laughs> <it> some <thought. laughs> um, Yeah. 10 years. I mean, but in hopefully in 10 years, I will have completed my doctorate uh, and I will be out in the world doing good work. So I think my doctoral research is going to be in the. Uh, post-revitalized neighborhoods so I'm sure you've heard of gentrification revitalization this idea of moving nope I'll explain it well yeah explain it (laughs) (laughs) high income residents moving into low income neighborhoods in Toronto that would be Regent Park Lawrence Heights and you move these higher income bracket residents into these social housing um, units and the idea is is this gonna bring the whole quality of life up for everyone but does it? We don't know. There's very little qualitative and very little quantitative research that has been done in those neighborhoods. So maybe those original residents are in fact being pushed outside of their neighborhood. They're being displaced. They're having to find new, maybe worse housing. So we know very little about this. So I, my research is going to look at the impact of revitalization on original residents. Wow. And so my hope would be, this is one part of my research, lots of different researches, but my hope is that 10 years from now, I will be having conversations with policymakers about real ways to help and walk alongside folks who are living in low-income housing or who maybe don't have adequate access to the things that they need to have adequate access to. And it might not be by bringing in you know, high-income residents. That might not be the answer. So my hope is just to know kind of what solutions could actually work for them. Wow. wow. That's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's, that's so good. I wanted to say, sorry to cut you off, but um, just even having that research, because you said there is a gap, right? Massive but gap. That you, it, it's amazing that you're like actually finding research for that, because now that fills the gap where people can actually mm-hmm. see your work, right? And mm-hmm. see like, okay, okay, so there, there are things here. Okay, there's, you know, mm-hmm. there's backup proof. So that's really cool that you're doing that. That's amazing. I just got to say. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely cool to see uh, someone doing research in fields or in areas that haven't had research done. Yeah. Uh, just like you said, Michaela, which is so good because then, yeah, like you said, it's going to open the eyes of so many others and then give us real solutions and tangible next steps, which is awesome. Yeah. So cool. Um, so why would you, so, okay. My question is, um, you, you said that you, you do some research in a few different areas mm-hmm. and one of the areas is the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that specific to you in Canada or all over? Yeah, that's specific to the criminal justice system in Canada. Okay. Um, so what would you say? Cause I personally, I don't know very much about the criminal mm-hmm. justice system in Canada. And mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people don't, mm-hmm. um, especially just like to the level of what, you know, like, mm-hmm. I think it's just, um, but it's, I think it would be really important for us to know. So what would you say are three things, um, us and our listeners should know about the criminal justice system in Canada? Mm-hmm. That's a hard question. I almost feel like maybe I should just do two because I mean, anything like it's hard to, um, these are like big 
topics, right? Right, so, right. totally. Um, I think maybe one thing that I've noticed is that people have a tendency in Canada, Canadians have a tendency to be like, oh, yeah, well, at least we're not like the Americans. Like, at least we don't have prisons like but that is just a total lie like we absolutely have a problem with an overrepresentation of racialized people in our prisons it's a huge problem you know the percentage of you know um, black or indigenous people who find themselves in prison compared to the percentage of our population is totally disproportionate so this is not an american problem this is a canadian problem as well that would be one thing. Um, I think another thing, this is maybe, I want to see a little more philosophical, but it's based off of real research that I've done. I've sat across from inmates in federal institutions in Canada, and I've had conversations with them. And um, not all inmates are the same. Um, not all the, not everybody that finds themselves in prison is uh just this terrible person who can't find, you know, rehabilitation or redemption or whatever word you want to use. And I hope that that's not something that, you know, most people believe, but surprisingly, I have had quite a few conversations with people where, you know, the prison population is very easily dismissed. And I want us to remember that these are people who had wives or husbands and children who loved their children, who wish they were spending Christmas with their children um, these are people who made mistakes. Um, but also there's this, sorry, tiny little thing, and then I'll finish this answer, but mm -hmm. there's this debate in our, or this tension in our discipline, which is, uh, the tension of agency structure versus agency. And when people marginalized communities, you know, you see violence and you see drug use. And then we say like, is this as a result of agency, which is like individual choice, like it's their fault, they made that choice, or is this a result of structure? In other words, institutions like the government and education were not there and therefore they really had little choice in why they ended up having, you know, a problem with drugs or why there's violence. And and we would say that there's always both at play. There's always individual choice and structure. But I think that as a population, we need to remember the structure portion of these. So when people find themselves in prisons, it's, it's not because, you know, they made their bed, they, they made their choice. Sure, there's an aspect of that. And there's also an aspect of the structure is totally ill-equipped to, to walk alongside people in vulnerable communities. And there is a total lack of support at the childhood stage, whether there's you know, education, whether there's two parents in the house, whether the parents have to work and the kids are left alone. There's so many other things that happen before somebody finds themselves in prison. Those are the things that we need to be thinking about. And we'll see a lot less people in prison. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, what would you say, like, what can we do, you know, in terms of growing more in this knowledge and this awareness of the system? And how can we be a part of changing mm -hmm. the system? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would just honestly like educate yourself. I know that's such a boring answer, but I think that sometimes our problem is that we want to like go out and like take up the fight and like do something real and tangible and in some ways glamorous, something heroic. But honestly, like we need more people who really understand. And I say this to myself. I mean, I feel honestly quite like ill-equipped even speaking to you two on this podcast, like I know so little compared to what there is to understand. And in order for any of us, you know, whether that be the dean of a university or, you know, 
whomever, like you and I, like at the bottom, whatever, we need to have the information to be able to start thinking of solutions. So I can, I don't know if you do like show notes, but I can, I can include some resource uh, uh, recommendations Mm -hmm. and some, some books and some documentaries. And actually there's one thing I can say on here. There is the, um, the university of Alberta very recently did this massive prison conference. They had like over 30 speakers from universities um, and organizations all across like the world like Europe Canada United States and it's all on YouTube it's like three days worth of content you can watch it anytime and it is fantastic that's amazing wow yes we would love that oh my gosh yes (laughs) we'll put it on uh we'll put it on our socials Mm -hmm. I don't know if we we have show notes (laughs) well hey we can even include it later on absolutely (laughs) I show notes are yeah we might do that (laughs) So I have a quick question, Rebecca. Do you consider yourself a social justice advocate? Why or why? My goodness. Yes. Yeah. I know it's such a big term. It's <laughs> so funny. I have never actually given that any thought. I am going to answer this somewhat off the cuff. I don't remember reading this question. So this is a non-thought out answer. A social justice advocate. I am going to say that why do I need to call myself anything? So what social justice advocate, am I an advocate for people who are mistreated? Yes. Am I an advocate for somebody who is being marginalized and pushed to the fringes of our society? Yes. Do I care about the fact that I have privilege because I'm white and that's not fair? Yes. An advocate for social justice. I mean, it's so blanket. If if I can say that and not unpack it for people, then I don't want to say that. But if people understand what that means, which I doubt they do, no, I don't really want to go around and say I am a social justice advocate. Okay, that is that's actually a really good answer. <laughs> Quick on my feet. I hope. Yeah, I no, to. no, that was really good because I think like when I even when I hear it, I'm like, okay, like I always think of like. Okay, what type of social justice? Because there's like so many forms of it, right? And there's like different, I don't know, categories, I guess. I, I feel like I'm not even saying it properly, but I'm just like, mm-hmm. okay. I'm mean, like, it, it sounds great on paper. I'm like, hey, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. a, you do it. Yes. You know, but and I'm just easy. like, okay. Yeah. Just say it. Yeah. yeah like, absolutely. Yeah, totally. I'm that. Okay. Let's like go get a burger now. Yeah. Like, it's like, <laughs> what, what, like, what does that mean? Let's talk about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is good. And so, um, as we were talking about like social justice, why do you think it's important and why should we keep talking about it? Why should we keep bringing awareness to it? Uh, I mean, this is, I mean, I feel like we all know the answer to this. I mean, we have a problem. As long as there are people living on the street outside of my window, as long as there are, you know, girls who are, you know, not given the opportunity to go to school in our country, as long as there are girls who are, you know, being sold for their bodies in my country, anywhere, forget my country, anywhere, we have a problem. So as long as we see that, we have a fight to fight, right? (laughs) I rhymed. (laughs) I should be a rapper. For social justice. For social justice. I just want to say that Rebecca does have a history of rapping. So (laughs) it is my secret passion. Is it? Oh, I need to hear this. We'll do it off the air. You should actually check out. um, I don't know if you saw my rap, but I rapped on our Instagram. Exactly. That's awesome. I didn't even see that. It it runs in the family. That's all. Love that. I love that. That's awesome. 
Awesome. Um, okay, yeah, we just want to, we were wondering, so we have a segment on our show called yes. In Other News. And, you know, Michaela and I in the past have used this to talk about, you know, whatever pop culture news or things that have interested us, um, things that we think uh, that are happening in current events that we want to share with our listeners. So mm-hmm. we were wondering if you have something that maybe happening, maybe is happening in our world today that you would like to share with mm-hmm. us as a news mm-hmm. Yeah, I gave this some thought and honestly, like it would be hard for me with my interests to just give you one article. I feel like it wouldn't have context. So what I would recommend for all of you is to go to Google. (laughs) This could be dangerous, but I would recommend for you to go to Google and write prisons, Canada, Mm COVID-19 and see what pops up because I can, I can guarantee that you will read and read three or four articles because you don't just want to get one news outlet take, but you'll probably read some things about what's happening in our prisons um, during COVID-19 that will really surprise and really probably scare you as to like, like how, like how this is being dealt with, with real people, like not in how the inmates are acting, but how the inmates are being treated during Mm -hmm. COVID-19. And obviously we've seen this in lots like nursing homes and different things across Canada during the pandemic, but we don't really talk about the prisons the same way we talk about other institutions. So yeah, I would suggest just typing that in, seeing what pops up. You are not wrong there. That is, yeah, yeah. No, we honestly need to think about that too, because they are human as well. Right. So so. (laughs) absolutely. And we have another segment. Okay. On our show. It's called asking for a friend. We love this one. (laughs) This is when we have our listeners reach out to us and they give us a question, like an anonymous kind of question that we get to answer on our show. And so this question that we have here today is a very good sister question. So I got, I'm going to need both of you guys to like Mm -hmm. chime in here and just give (laughs) this person an answer. Well, try your best try your best okay so (laughs) so this person says my sister is constantly lying to my parents and i know when she's not telling the truth do i tell my parents and get her in trouble get her mad at me before she lies about something much bigger or do i keep it to myself and just hope that she stops i'm really in a pinch here because i either get her mad by telling or get my parents mad by not finding out like, sorry, by not telling if they find out. Wow, that was interesting <laughs> English there, Michaela. And yeah, so you guys just think about it a little bit and then just give us an answer. Yeah, wow. This is quite the question. I mean, I think, like, yeah, Rebecca and I, we come from a family of four girls. So we. Wow, have three I did not sisters. know that. Okay. You didn't know that? <laughs> no, not four. Wow. Okay, continue. Yeah, I got two other ones to feature on this podcast, so you just wait. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, so, I don't know, I feel like it is hard when I, you know, when you're caught between a sibling or your parents, because it's like such a different relationship, right? Like, it's a Mm -hmm. different relationship, but both, you know, especially in our case, I think, in our case, you know, we're always we've always been really close with our parents Mm -hmm. and always been really close with each other. And so, um, it's definitely a hard, like conflict. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard. What would you say, Rebecca? Yeah. I mean, I gave, I've, I've given this a little bit of thought now and I, I, I think that like most of these conflicts come down to like, they need to be like a very relational approach. So when you consider that question from like this 
bird's eye, like philosophical, like my parents will be mad or my sister will be mad and mm-hmm. I'll be a terrible person either way. Like I can see how that would become very overwhelming, but what would happen if you like brought this specifically to your parents and said like, uh, so I find that I'm really in an awkward position when I feel that you, you know, expect me to, in essence, betray my sister to you. And I don't know if I can be put in that position because it puts strain on my relationship with my sister. Yeah. And then to also go to your sister and say, listen, I love you so much. Like, I care about you so profoundly, but this is really hard for me to have this knowledge that you're saying these things to mom and dad, to our parents. And and, and and kind of have to lie to them as well because of this. And I just try to imagine if I was in this situation with any one of my sisters, and I think that my priority would probably be on like communicating to my sister that I had their back and that I wanted to like walk with them. I wasn't in opposition to them. Because obviously if there's a lot of lying going on, like that's a symptom of something more. And typically when people are lying or they're acting out, they need someone who's going to like align themselves with them and walk with them, not someone who's going to like shut them down. And then usually, I mean, obviously different situations, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I feel like I would say the same thing. And I, yeah, I love the idea of going to your sister and just, yeah, again, like making sure that she knows that you're on their side, but that you don't, that you think that there needs to be a change. Cause like, Mm -hmm you know, lying. Yeah. It's just going to hurt the relationship between her and your parents. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think definitely talking to your sister Mm -hmm. is the way to go. Talking to your parents, relational approach. Mm -hmm. Totally. Right. Yeah. That's, that sounds good to me. I mean, I, I would take that. I would be like, okay, <laughs> but no, honestly, <laughs> but yeah, no, I would say it's that's really good. Tough spot though. Tough spot yeah, to it is. Yeah, for sure. Totally. I just want to say thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast. I want to say thank you, Rebecca, for being on our show today. Like it was so much fun. I, you hold a lot of knowledge. <laughs> I just feel like I just need to sit down and just hear you speak. Cause I'm like, yeah, this is very intelligent. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're amazing. Thank you so much for being on here. Thank you. Totally. Yeah, thank you. It's it's such an honor to have you, like, just even in this capacity, because I feel like, yeah. I mean, I talk to you so much, but we rarely talk about what you're studying. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's really cool for me to, to hear, like, all the things that you're learning and mm-hmm. just get to share with us. So I really appreciate you. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for coming. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. No problem. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been an awesome time with you. Um, This is Hannah. And this is Michaela. And it's time Time to to be brave. brave. Thanks for listening to the Brave Girls Podcast, a product of Brave Global Organization.